welcome to the Chapter 49 podcast. My name is Larry Lannon. I am a volunteer and a retiree. I volunteer in the area of communications. So we welcome you to our podcast. We try to make it as weekly as we can. We don't make every single week, but we try uh, the best we can to keep it weekly. Uh, Just wanted to welcome you all here. Chapter 49 represents most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. And allow me to once again bring in our chapter president, Duncan Giles. I was wondering if you were going to spring another surprise on me as you did last week with uh, the national president. No, no surprise. The only surprise I have this week is I just finished up my mandatory briefings, and that's three weeks I'll never get back of my life. You know, that's that's interesting. (laughs) How long does it take one in your position to actually go through all of these mandatory briefings? It takes it takes quite a while. I mean, it, there's a, quite a cross section of them, and some of them have gotten quite lengthy, and you can't test out of them. So, it 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 can take a while. So I could ask a really dangerous question. So, just exactly what have you learned from these briefings? Um, I've learned that the IRS likes to do things as uh, inexpensively as possible, which is good compared to our old. Uh, videos that we got in trouble with Congress about, and that um, that not much has changed. Okay, <laughs> it's nice to have a reminder that not, nothing has changed, right? I suppose that, Correct. that there's some value in that. Okay, Duncan, we're ready to go again, and uh, we are going to start off where we start off most podcasts in recent memory, the vaccine mandate. The executive order is still out there. We've had, I mentioned, I think I mentioned last week, some court cases uh, that I had reviewed. You've reviewed the same cases. They involve executive branch agencies, and, and I'll let you talk about what the courts are doing, pretty much what I said last week, but always good to review that. So let's just once again, look at uh, where we're at when it term in terms of the vaccination mandate. Yeah, I'd like to make sure that everybody is clear on this. When you're seeing some of the court cases, uh, like right now, there's uh, some cases that are being consolidated for an appeals court in Ohio. Those have to do with the private sector cases where those are uh, hitting employers of 100 people or more. Those do not involve the executive branch. That is a totally separate issue. And those folks, um, like say, are in the private sector, not in the government sector like we are. If you're in the executive branch, the lawsuits that have been filed have all been tossed out of court by judges who are saying that, you know, exactly what Jim Bailey said when we first discussed this, that the case law is there and there's, you know, the president is able to do this. So, well, are the vaccine mandate for federal employees is being upheld in the courts, and sometimes they're just being dismissed out of hand. And so, they're they're really the, the judges are doing exactly what uh, the the lawyers at NTEU and Jim Bailey, being a lawyer himself, uh, said would happen. So that is is in fact going on. There are some. Uh, private sector cases that are making their way through the courts, and we'll have to see what what goes on there. I want to go back to what we discussed last week when uh, we did have a, a kind of it's kind of a last minute edition, and we're very glad to have done that. 
uh, Tony Reardon, our national president, offered to come on, and we were more than happy to accommodate him so he could explain in his own words what he was suggesting to the administration. Basically, what he was telling the White House was, hey, why don't you use the private sector rules you've just come out with, the OSHA, and apply those to federal employees, not fire people who are denied reasonable accommodations and do not vaccinate. Why don't we test them and put the protocols in place that the private sector had put together? I think it's very important to let people know, as of this moment, there has been no response to that. As things stand right now, this executive order by the president still is in, in fact, we tried to make that point last week also. So, uh, Duncan, just reinforce uh, where we are exactly on the vaccine mandate for federal employees in the executive branch. Yeah, this is something that has come up uh, among quite a few people that have uh, apparently viewed our podcast or listened to the podcast. Okay, well, Tony has proposed this. And so everything is different now. We're going to be treated just like the private sector employees, and we're going to be able to get tested. Um, as we as we emphasized last week, this is what we're hoping for. This is what we're going for. But this is not the case as of this point. Right now, everything is still status quo. Nothing has changed. Uh, Tony wrote a very well-reasoned uh, letter to the White House asking them to treat us the same as they're treating private sector employees. But as of this moment, the White House has not responded to this, done anything different on this, and we haven't heard that if there will be any movement. So people are saying, well, I don't have to worry about this. If I haven't been vaccinated, you do need to be you know, worrying about this. The counseling letters have gone out to people who are not um, vaccinated and don't have a reasonable accommodation request in place. Um, they will be coming out with suspensions after the 22nd of November, so less than a week away. You could possibly get a proposed suspension for three days. And again, if that suspension sticks, then even if you say, I'm going to go ahead and get vaccinated, and that, 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 that suspension's on your record and could very well impair your ability to get your award next year. Not the, the ones for this year, but the ones next year that could that could make it a misconduct that, you know, you won't be able to get an award. So I, I just want everybody to be very clear about where we are right now. So we know that people who have received these counseling letters have until November 22nd, and then the uh, suspensions could be proposed on or after that date at some point. I guess the the question I would ask, and uh, IRS is not sharing any of this information with NTU at this point. Uh, you're simply trying to to gather what information you have from people that are uh, talking to uh, NTU and the chapters. I guess the question I would ask is: All right, do we have any idea whether, first of all, whether or not people with pending reasonable accommodations are getting these counseling letters? And number two, what is the management doing with these reasonable accommodation requests? Uh, to the first part of your question, what I'm understanding is the process is working so far. Uh, and that means that people who do have a pending reasonable accommodation request are not getting these counseling memos because there shouldn't be any action against them or towards them at all until there's a resolution on the 
reasonable accommodation. Now, that the second part of your question is the big one. Where are they on the reasonable accommodation requests? What are they going to be doing? What are going to be the, the accommodations? And that's the big question, because we have to keep in mind that people are going, well, you know, I put in for this religious accommodation. Um, and so they should grant that to me and I shouldn't have to come into the work at all. You have to keep in mind that even if an accommodation is granted, even if they say, OK, we're granting your religious accommodation, what you want as an accommodation has to work for the employer. It has to be their choice their, It has to be reasonable to them. So they may not say this is going to be the accommodation. It may be something totally different that doesn't work for you. So it's almost like you win the battle and lose the war. So I just, again, want everybody to be very clear on that. We don't know how long it'll take for accommodation requests to come back. Uh, I do hear that there are uh, some that are going out for more information or would like them to complete the form for folks who didn't put in the form to begin with, asking for more information. But that's anecdotal at this point. Right now, it's just to sit and wait to see what's going to happen. And we don't even have a clue as to how long this will take or whether they'll all sort of come out at one time or piecemeal. We're all waiting for that. So I know that's a question you've probably been asked. And at this point, there is no answer, is there? There there really isn't. And the one thing that I know myself, other chapter leaders across the country and um, national NTU are all very concerned about is disparate treatment. You know, if we want to make sure that people are going to be treated equally. And, you know, if somebody is getting a reasonable accommodation for their religious preference um, and then, you know, they get one thing, but yet somebody else with the same type of reasonable religious accommodation can't get that same thing, that's an issue. And so there's going to need to be consistently consistency and equality. And I we have no idea whether how that's going to be done or whether it's going to be done. If it's not, I can tell you that's going to create a gigantic mess for the agency, a huge one. And a lot of work for you and other chapter presidents, but that remains yep. to be seen, of course, because avoiding disparate treatment could be, you know, one thing. I mean, if, if uh, a lot of these are granted, but if they just say no to everybody, I mean, I wouldn't say it would be that radical, but if, if no has been the answer to most people and they're consistent about that, uh, that's an, or either say no or propose accommodations not acceptable to most people. And if as long as they're not being uh, guilty of of, of uh, asking or acting with disparate treatment to these people, uh, doesn't necessarily mean you're getting a good answer. You're just getting a consistent answer. Exactly. So that's there are an awful lot of things in play here, and we just don't know yet how it's going to all work out. And again, Tony Reardon has not received a response from his request to deal with the uh, executive branch employees the same way the OSHA rules are dealing with private sector employees. That's has been his request. He's asked the White House to consider that. And as we record this, and we are recording this on the 17th of November at roughly 1 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern time. So that's the way it stands as of now. One other thing, Duncan, that's related to all this, uh, the updating of HR Connect. Talk about the importance of that. Uh, I can't emphasize that enough. You know, people are like, 
I, you know, well, why do I have to do this? You know, I could, why can't I just decline it? That declining the answer is not an option, plain, pure, and simple. That could be seen as failing to follow a manager's directive because it's coming from the top of the IRS. So you have to, you know, if you haven't been vaccinated, you have to, you know, you have to state that on there. If you have been vaccinated, upload your documentation. I understand some folks are having some issues not understanding how to upload their documentation. Um, it it's, should be fairly simple. There are instructions out there, um, but it, it needs to get uploaded to HR Connect to make sure that you're covering yourself. Anything else on the vaccine mandate before we move on? No, let's go ahead and move on because I know you and I and probably a lot of our listeners are tired of hearing about it. <laughs> well, let's talk about something uh, that can be good news, hopefully for a number of people. That has to do with the award program. The awards are coming out November 19th. You did uh, have that. Inf- did I say 19th? 29th. Uh-huh. Not that soon. Okay, don't don't be looking for the 19th, folks, just because I said <laughs> yeah, it. I was. Sorry to interrupt, but I wanted to correct that. No, 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 no. 29th. <laughs> This is what happens when you have a guy who's uh, who's who's uh, <laughs> dealing with recent health issues and is not as young as he used to be. But the awards program comes out at the how about this near the end of November, and uh, that's when the money will be out. Uh, I know you're still waiting on some key information from the agency. So, uh, and, and explain what's going to happen once you have that information about the awards that will come out on the 29th of November. (laughs) Yeah, basically NTU has gotten the information from the IRS. And what NTU National does is they collate this information by chapter so that the chapter presidents can go in, take a look. So if somebody wants to know what their amount is, whether it's time off, whether it's money, if they qualify for an award, what's the cutoff score, those types of things that we have that for them. We don't, the chapters don't have that yet as of this recording. When we do get it, I will be sending out an email to the chapter members saying, I now have this information. If you want to know anything about your awards, you want to know what the award amount is, whether you qualified, what your cutoff score, if you didn't, um, those sorts of things. I'll be sending out an email and people can feel free to contact me at that point. But unfortunately, right now, simply don't have any information to give folks. All right. So uh, you will be communicating that when you have it. And I know that's a big job to collate all that information by chapter. So uh, NTU has that from the IRS. It's just a matter of of filtering that uh, specific information down to the chapters. Okay. So that's what you're waiting on now. Am I understanding that correctly? Yes. And I'm expecting that anytime, but it's just Hasn't hit yet, but as soon as it does, and I know NTU National is working very hard on getting that finished so it can get out to the chapters. Last week, we talked about travel and some changes in the travel manual that just created quite a kerfuffle amongst those who travel quite often and for the IRS, field people in particular, but it could apply to others as well who occasionally travel for whatever reason. Uh, there has been some movement on this. You mentioned that people uh, at, in Washington, D.C. for NTEU have been looking at this and they have taken action. Explain the action. Yeah, I'm I'm very happy and proud of the folks from uh, our chapter who reached out to me almost immediately when they were told this and say, hey, Duncan, what's going on? We need you to look into this. 
I reached out to NTU National. NTU National uh, had a couple of conversations with IRS uh, that proved not to be very fruitful. Um, the information that they sent over was not something that we thought uh, covered the changes or was de minimis. And the IRS has really not wanted to discuss this. So uh, NTU National filed what's called an unfair labor practice, a ULP. Basically, that's that's waving a big hammer and saying, you better talk to us. We want, you know, we want to get a judgment on this. We want to get you to the table to talk about this because we want to see if it should be being done. So for those who are sitting there saying, you know, what's happening with this, what's going on, NTU National is about as all over this as they can be and are working this issue very, very hard. And whenever we hear anything updated, whether, you know, NTU comes to take or IRS comes to the table or uh, they decide to talk to NTU and resolve this issue, uh, we'll let you know. But right now it's, it's being taken very, very seriously. I want to talk about that term you mentioned, de minimis. De minimis, for anybody who's done uh, tax law will know this, is a term of legal Latin. And if you translate de minimis, de minimis from the Latin term, it, it translates roughly into so small you cannot even measure it. And there are all sorts of de minimis issues in the law. It's a small change. We're, we're going to ignore it in the tax law. It's also true in labor relations. And talk for a moment, Duncan, about management's approach to changes. It seems that the management thinks that almost any change these days is de minimis to try to keep from negotiating with NTEU or justifying this. Explain how this whole thing works. Yeah, there oftentimes the service's definition of de minimis, and while you were talking, I flashed to a scene from Monty Python and the Holy Grail where Arthur is cutting off the, uh, the Black Knight's arms and, and legs, and he's going, tis but a flesh wound. You know, and I'm sitting there going, IRS would deem that as de minimis. I lost an arm, so that's de minimis. Um, there are oftentimes, there are things that are very, very small that aren't that big of a change. But all too often, um, we find that the service, and I say we because it's nationally and locally as well, that the IRS paints with a very uh, wide brush in using the term de minimis. And oftentimes we've taken these cases to arbitrators and arbitrators are like, this is not a de minimis change. This is a, this is a change that impacts people, um, practices, things of that nature. So it needs to be discussed. So when, when I hear the term de minimis and I use that, it's like, sometimes it's like, no, the, you know, the cutting off of an arm, it's, it's not a flesh wound. It's not de minimis. It's something that's serious and should be talked about. Well, anyone who asks for travel reimbursement will think this is anything but de minimis. And, that's been exactly. the, and that is the NTEU position. And that's why the uh, unfair labor practice or ULP was filed. And, and Duncan has promised uh, to keep us up to date on that as well. Uh, let me move on to another issue. A uh, couple of issues, actually. It has to do with our funding. First of all, the the uh, budget uh, bill that is still pending. Uh, the last update I received uh, through some of the uh, news sources I review uh, basically is saying that there may be another continuing resolution because the Congress is still trying to find an agreement on 
on the whole budget bill, plus the uh, the debt ceiling issue is also hovering over us. So it's been it's been delayed a little bit toward mid December. So the uh, as I understand it, the defense authorization bill looks like it will be passing. Uh, that authorizes defense spending, but the other agency spending is still being held at abeyance due to disagreements in the Congress. Uh, where do you see this standing right now, Duncan? Yeah, I think you gave a very good synopsis of what's going on. When I hear the defense authorization bill is going to be uh, you know, looked at and up for pass, this is something that usually passes with uh, wide bipartisan support um, in both the uh, House and the Senate. And it's, it's almost like this starts the, uh, the ball rolling on everything else. So once we get that passed, then we can start making sure that uh, we get the bills that it would include the Treasury spending bill uh, passed. And that's something that's of vital importance, because if we continue to do OMB came out with something saying, if you do a continuing resolution uh, bill for the entire year, fiscal year, basically, you're going to be looking at hiring freezes, you know, uh, cuts in spending, things of that nature. And that's just the worst thing that can happen. So if we do get another continuing resolution, I'm hoping it's very short and, you know, I can always hope, uh, and that they get their act together and, and you know, properly fund us and the rest of the government. On the debt ceiling, uh, Secretary of Treasury Yellen has come out in the past couple of days and said that uh, originally it was December 3rd when she thought that there would be uh, a point of no return, and now she is saying, it looks like it's December 15th, but let's not drive over that cliff. Let's try and you know avoid even coming close to it and get the debt ceiling passed, which, again, to me, shouldn't be a political issue. This isn't a left or right issue. This is funds the government's already uh, basically spent, and we need to pay those bills, and therefore we need to raise the debt ceiling. So the debt ceiling uh, has been slightly delayed, but uh, it has become a political football, whether we like it or not, whether it should or shouldn't be. That's really a sad development, but I think you summarized it very well. Uh, so we'll wait and see. And and this idea of having a continuing resolution for the entire year is a very bad idea. And the only reason it may not happen is because everybody in Congress, in the Senate as well, they all have their pet projects, which will not be funded if the uh, continuing resolution is for the entire year. So I'm hoping that the Congress will finally come to some agreement, although they're certainly not there yet. We're still in open season uh, as far as health insurance is concerned. Uh, I know you have a few reminders about that. Yeah, I, I like to beat the drum on this just because I want people to, you know, this is where you can put your money in your pocket. And using the consumer's checkbook off of uh, NTU.org for members is a wonderful way to do that. Go in, compare, see what works, uh, see what doesn't. If you're going to use a, uh, you know, the federal savings account, the FSA, feds, make sure you get that adjustment in uh, and done in open season. So it's, it's something that um, I think is very, very worth somebody's time to do research. Um, as the noted columnist Mike Causey says, you know, this could save you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars a year. So why wouldn't you do the best for you and your family? 
Yes, and that's available online. And uh, if you are a member of NTEU, go to nteu.org. If you have not already done that, set up your own account to access all the areas that members have access to. And that, this would be one of them, that uh, checkbook that Duncan is talking about is part of uh, what's available to you online as a member. You know, it's, it, I mentioned in the last podcast that the Social Security Administration had already announced it was sending people back to the office, out of their homes, back into the office for work, beginning on January 3rd. Well, now uh, the, the, the rumor mill continues to heat up. Will, and, uh, will the IRS do the same thing? If so, will it be on or around January 3rd? And there is that 30-day requirement to let employees at NTEU know when that happens. So that we're if that happens on January 3rd, we're coming up on that deadline. But uh, what I'm understanding, Duncan, is there's nothing official and the rumor mill continues to be hot and heavy. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. There's not a thing concrete at all out there on this. Uh, but there's there's a lot of smoke. There's no fire so far, but there's a lot of smoke that the IRS will follow in SSA's footsteps, as will other governmental agencies, in reopening the office. We've never stopped working, but we may go, you know, reopen those offices where even those uh, those on the most optimal of telework would have to come in uh, twice a pay period. But as you, as you referenced, the agency has said that they will give 30 days notice, at least 30 days notice, before they reopen. So that means, you know, it's like December the 3rd is the witching hour between the budget and, um, you know, potential opening on January the 3rd if they don't announce it earlier, if it is going to happen on that date. Don't you think we need to have this vaccine mandate thing pretty much settled by that time before we go into the office? I would have to think that would be a major uh, factor to consider. Okay, Larry, I know you've been retired for a while. But you're using logic here. I am so worried when you use logic in relation to the federal government. Now, in in seriousness, there are a lot of issues. And one of them that I have heard from a lot of people, and I know my counterparts across the country have heard, is people who have been vaccinated, who've done what they need to do, are extremely concerned about being in close proximity to those who haven't been vaccinated. Because even if you're vaccinated, that doesn't mean that you are, you know, basically immune to getting COVID. That means that if you do, it'll be a weakened strain and you shouldn't be hospitalized and all that. But that doesn't mean you're not going to be off and feeling like crap. And, you know, they're rightly concerned about that. So there are issues that will have to be worked around this. So we would hope that the, um, the issues with the mandate are settled by then. And so we can have those types of discussions, if not negotiations, um, when the offices do reopen on how that's going to work. Yes, Duncan, I realize I have been retired 10 years and I'm (laughs) far too enmeshed in the real world. I've forgotten. (laughs) I've forgotten the world of uh, civil servants doesn't always uh, mesh with that. So I think what I'm hearing you say is, I guess I would ask it this this way. I mean, you have your ear to the ground. Uh, Usually you start getting some tea leaves or smoke signals, as you would call them or whatever. But 
the rumor mill has been hot and heavy, but not exactly from the sources that would be in any way authoritative. Am I getting that correct? Absolutely. Yeah, you keep hearing this. Um, and, and I talk to an awful lot of people um, darn near daily just to get, you know, seeing what I can find out for, you know, the good of everyone, bargaining unit, non-bargaining unit, to, to make sure that information is out there and that things are being done, you know, um, cor- the correct way. And so far, those high up sources um, are not saying, you know, that they are hearing anything at all on that. It's lower level. But sometimes, you know, the lower level, we, you know, I hadn't heard anything on whether the actual counseling letters for the vaccine mandate had been delivered, checked with some higher up sources. They hadn't heard much of anything, checked with some lower level sources. And they're like, yeah, those have been issued. Uh, My employees have gotten them. Okay. So it's like sometimes the high up, um, unless they're the highest level at the commissioner's level, uh, don't have that information. So, yeah, there's just nothing concrete at all on this. Um, but we better be hearing it in the next two weeks or so if there is going to be. Well, we'd, we're not uh, doing a, a formal mailbag uh, issue, uh, this member mailbag this week, but are, is there any quest, question or maybe set of questions you're receiving of late from um, the members? I think we basically incorporated that type of thing into, uh, you know, people want to know what's going on with the mileage issue. People want to know, you know, what's going on with awards, things of that nature. Those are the major things. Um, and also the uh, qualifying that we used on the um, on Tony's uh, letter to the administration. Okay, good enough. Uh, any final comment uh, before we wrap this one up? No, I just, um, it, it's a tough time. And I, I just want to commend every employee that listens to this or watches this for the great job that you've done and continue to do during the most trying circumstances that we've had in my almost 27 years with the federal government. I just, I can't thank you enough and tell you, if you haven't heard it, you're doing a great job under impossible circumstances and continue to do so. And you are appreciated and you are valued. All very important words from our chapter president, Duncan Giles. Duncan, thank you very much for once again uh, spending some time with us. And uh, we will hopefully be back early next week before the Thanksgiving holiday. At least that's our goal. There may be some news coming in late this week that we can talk about. Again, this is the Chapter 49 podcast. We are available on just about any audio podcast platform. Just search podcasts by Larry Lannon, L-A-N-N-A-N. You'll see all the podcast series I produce. Chapter 49's podcasts are in that list, and you can check them out. And if you want to watch the video, go to YouTube and just search for Duncan Giles. You'll find the right one, and he will have all of the videos on his uh, on his channel there uh, on YouTube. And uh, we've been doing this for the past several weeks, and you'll have a chance to see that there. In the meantime, we thank you for listening. We wish you well, be safe, and be kind. Mm